Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for the rest of the Bible. Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for all doctrine. There's not one doctrine that ultimately is not founded in Genesis 1 to 11. See, the meaning of anything is tied up with its origin. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. I'm Amber Archer, your co-host, and joining me as usual is my husband, Mark Archer. The other partner in faith, family, and filmmaking. Absolutely. If you are new to the show, welcome. We are a husband and wife filmmaking team producing films through our nonprofit filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. Our latest documentary film, Inwood Drive, is available to watch on our website, fearlessfeatures.org. Or if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can join the other 60,000 plus who have taken the time to learn about the horrifying story of an abortionist, his career of harming women, and his hoard of over 2,000 fetal remains found at his home. But in other news, today we are going to bring you guys in to a conversation we just recently had with Ken Ham from Answers and Genesis. The man, the myth, the legend <laughs> of Ken Ham. It was it was really amazing. And so and if you are just joining us, Mark, tell everybody why did we interview Ken Ham? Well, because we're working on a new documentary film called The Mind Polluters, which is all about the sexualization of our culture and our children through the education system and because we're faith family and filmmaking emphasis on faith we knew that we needed somebody to talk about the gospel we mm -hmm. needed a pastoral figure if you will to give some balance in the film um we need a biblical worldview presented in this story of you know what's really i mean if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how brutal some of this subject matter is. Some mm -hmm. of these people that we have interviewed, and they're all standing in their purpose. They're all, uh, you know, standing in their calling from the Lord to their particular battlefront. But uh, we needed someone who could take that broad view from a gospel worldview standpoint and give balance. Right. And we couldn't think of anybody better suited to this than Ken Ham. We have watched so many of his presentations on Answers TV. And if you haven't subscribed to Answers TV on your Roku or... Oh, it's definitely worth it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a streaming channel. It's what, like $40 a year? It, yeah. is, it is a bargain at twice the price. Right. Uh, so we've watched a lot of their content... Uh, on because answers. it's a lot of the it's a lot of their conferences of that they've conferences. got on there, which is really great, especially as we were researching this. They have a whole mm -hmm. conference for pastors on the LGBTQ movement and homosexuality. That was really insightful and really helpful. All of the speakers that they had there at the conference. Mm -hmm. um, and I just I watched another one uh, later in, in the show. He's going to start talking about poodles and did God really great poodles? I know it sounds kind of weird, but... When if you go, if you're on Answers TV and they have the one blood, one race, you know, because we're not we're not different races. You know, right. we're, we're all one, one the race, human race, the human race. That's that's so that's, that's and it's, it. it's a phenomenal. I, I actually just watched it this past Saturday. It's a it's actually it's a really phenomenal, well done presentation. Mm -hmm. And so and I've known about Ken Ham since I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I was introduced to Ken Ham. I think it was my senior year of high school and we watched one of his videos and I still have the workbook here yeah. somewhere. 
and uh, and we have several of Ken Ham's books here. Uh, what are the the list of the books of his that we've read? Well, the ones that I read do you know researching education, and then I you know started asking where is the church. Mm-hmm. The first one I started with was already gone, and that's the mass exodus of kids leaving the church who are being indoctrinated through the education mm-hmm. system, and it's it, it's heartbreaking and in fact we did a whole podcast Mm -hmm. based on that called already gone i'll leave a link to it in the show notes and then i read his book um will they stand it's his his latest at the time of this recording will they stand and it's you know raising up a generation to face the goliaths Mm -hmm. and and it was just so amazing to read it and i remember us sitting down and talking about it and i said it would be Phenomenal to have Ken Ham included in the Mind Polluters. And so we sat together and we prayed and we're like, Lord, if you want this to happen, if he's supposed to be in this film, mm-hmm. you're going to make it happen. And sure enough. Yeah. And then, so then, <laughs> so then, uh, you know, that's what producers do. We go mm-hmm. and we, we make things like that happen. And so we just made an inquiry. Yeah. And sometimes these things take time. And uh, it took a few months, but we did manage to um, have an opportunity to make our pitch about what our film was about. Mm-hmm. And you got to understand in in the world of filmmaking, when you're when you're part of media, right? Kind of get a bad rap. You have a bad rap going <laughs> in. You have to be. It's you. I would say that a lot of our time is spent in in convincing people that we're on the up and up right, right? <laughs> that we're not out to get them <laughs> right and you think about somebody like ken ham mm-hmm. i mean this is the man who debated bill, bill nye. nye yeah right and i think quite handily smashed him. yeah it's on youtube too but yeah. it's um and i just have had the utmost respect for ken ham for so many years and um, but still, you're kind of at a disadvantage at the b- very beginning because you have to kind of make your case that you're not, you don't have some secret agenda. Right. No, that, we just, we just needed the biblical worldview. Right. I mean, it, there's, because what we found, the education system, hello, they've taken God out of everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally perverted and just disgusting. So, so sitting there in his office, I thought it was interesting because he was talking about when Bill Maher came and he, <laughs> he said, mm-hmm. said he sat there right where you're sitting. And I thought, oh, my word, Bill Maher is just one of the most disgusting individuals in the industry mm-hmm. across the board. And to to be able to balance that mm-hmm. and and say and and say we're here because the Lord has put us together with you so that you can give us the gospel worldview perspective mm-hmm. for this film. And he understood that very quickly. And he was so gracious mm-hmm. and he is, he's just as you would think he is. Mm-hmm. He's just a regular guy, but just as you read the, his books, as you watch his seminars or conferences, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a very genuine, humble man who just loves, who the Lord. loves the Lord. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So a couple of things uh, that you're going to hear him talk about, and I wanted to uh, read these references. He's going to reference a couple of verses, 1 Peter 3.15, which I have here. 
actually 315b through 16. I'm going to read, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're going to hear him talk about that. That's the the basis for the word that you'll hear used called apologetics. Mm-hmm. And apologetics is being able to give a clear and reasoned defense of your faith. Mm-hmm. Another passage that you're going to hear him reference is 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And that is a reference to the Genesis 3 attack uh, on the validity of Scripture, which you're going to hear Ken Ham talk about here. And it's so important to listen to everything that Ken says. He, he, you ask him a question and he just goes. And it's like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. It's pretty amazing. You know, just trying to absorb everything. Mm-hmm. So without any further ado, here's part one of a four-part series with Ken Ham. Well, I'm Ken Ham, CEO of Answers in Genesis Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. Answers in Genesis is the main ministry which built the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, and we have many different outreaches. But it's an apologetics ministry. Now, that doesn't mean we apologize for our faith, right? First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give an answer or defense. And the, and the word answer or defense comes from the Greek word apologia, from which we get our word apologetics, which means to give a logical reason defense of the faith. And I believe one of the things that's been missing from much of the church and from many of our families is raising up generations equipped to be able to defend the Christian faith against the secular attacks of our day. And, you know, really, to me, it goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Because if you look in Genesis 3, 1, when the devil came to Eve in the form of a serpent, and he said, did God really say? So the first attack was on the word of God. That get, to, get, to get Adam and Eve to doubt the word, and that doubt would lead to unbelief. Now, if you jump across to the New Testament in 2 Corinthians eleven three, God, through the apostle Paul, has a warning for us. And the warning is, just as the devil tempted Eve, so he's going to use the same method on us, on our kids, on our grandkids, on anyone, in fact. And so in 2 Corinthians eleven three, we're warned the devil is going to use the same method on us as he did on Eve, Well, the method was to create doubt in regard to the Word of God. And one of the things I challenge people with is this, is that as parents, grandparents, what we should be saying to ourselves is this. Now, God has warned us. The devil's going to use the same method on us as he did on Eve. And so we should be saying, how does that method manifest itself today? And how should that therefore impact the way in which I raise up my children, grandchildren to live in this world because in this world uh, they're going to be attacked by the devil in a particular way so I need to prepare them for that attack and really that does involve apologetics because if you think about it did God really say is to get people to question the word of God to doubt it and so that doubt would lead 
to unbelief. And so there's going to be attacks. And we've seen that down through the ages, those attacks manifest themselves in different ways in different periods. You know, for instance, if you, if you were to consider Peter and Paul preaching, they wouldn't have been asked questions about carbon dating, right? Because that's, that's a 20th century invention. When Martin Luther in the 16th century was nailing those theses on the door of the church, you know, nobody would have asked him about dinosaurs and did dinosaurs go on the ark because the word dinosaur wasn't invented until 1841. But they all had attacks on God's word to deal with. And what are the attacks today? And it's interesting, as I've traveled around the world for the past 40 plus years, in this era, and I believe for particular reasons, that this era started about the 1800s, late 1700s, early 1800s, through to the present, when really the religion of naturalism has really impacted people and much of the church has compromised with the religion of naturalism in various ways. And so since that time, there's been a particular attack on God's word beginning in Genesis, and it's particularly on the first 11 chapters of the Bible. And so because of the teaching of evolution and millions of years that permeates the world, and permeates much of the church because much of the church has adopted those ideas or compromised them with God's word in some way, then what you find, uh, the questions go something like this. Well, don't we live in a scientific age? Hasn't science shown you can't trust the Bible, particularly in the book of Genesis? You know, isn't evolution true? Don't dinosaurs disprove the Bible? Didn't we evolve from ape-like creatures? Where do all the races of people come from? If we go back to Adam and Eve, how can you explain black people and white people? And so they go on. And those questions are particularly dealing with the topic of origins and that history that's recorded in Genesis 1 to 11. And here's the thing that we need to understand. Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for the rest of the Bible. Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for all doctrine. There's not one doctrine that ultimately is not founded in Genesis 1 to 11. See, the meaning of anything is tied up with its origin. Where's the origin of sin? Genesis. Where's the origin of death? Genesis. Where's the origin of marriage? Genesis. Clothing? Genesis. Gender? Genesis. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Genesis. Why is he called the last Adam? Genesis. Why do we need a new heavens and new earth? Genesis. Why do we have a seven-day week? Genesis. And you can go on and on. You know. Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything. And if we haven't raised up generations with that foundation for their worldview, they're not going to be able to withstand the tornado of moral relativism that's ripping through this culture and, and destroying generations. I mean, we're seeing an incredible exodus from the church of young people. You know, there's been a lot of research done in dividing uh, people into generations depending on when they were born. And so those born before 1928 were called the greatest generation. In America, 56% of them went to church. When you get down to the younger generations today, when you're down towards the millennials and Generation Z, and then we have Generation Alpha coming up, but the research that's been done now on Generation Z and millennials, those, those younger generations, only about 11% go to church. And so we see an incredible decline generationally in church attendance, and we have to be asking ourselves, what has happened? And I believe what has happened is that much of the church gave up that history in Genesis 1 to 11 because of the teaching of evolution and millions of years, 
they said, well, you can reinterpret it or it doesn't matter. I've even had conservative pastors tell me, I don't speak on Genesis 1 to 11 because it creates too much division in the church. There are too many that believe in evolution and so on. So they concentrate on talking about Jesus. And, and a lot of churches today think it's more important to talk about revelation. And in fact, you even see this in churches' statement of faiths. You'll often see a lot of churches in the Bible Belt areas in America, for instance, that'll say you have to have a particular view of revelation. But when it comes to Genesis, as long as you believe God created or believe some general things, but revelation is not the foundation for the rest of the Bible, Genesis 1 to 11 is. Revelation is not the foundation for all your doctrine, Genesis 1 to 11 is. Revelation is not the foundation for your Christian worldview, Genesis 1 to 11 is. In fact, Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for revelation. And yet, much of the church has said, don't worry about Genesis, but be more concerned about what you believe about end times and revelation, but Genesis is where we lost it. And to give you a practical example to help you understand what I'm saying here, you see, it, when you look at the younger generations and find out what questions do they have, what, what do they say, particularly about the Bible or Christianity, well, how can you believe in a loving God with all the death and suffering in the world? Okay, and the atheists will say that. They'll say, how can you believe in a loving God with all the death and suffering in the world? Well, when we look at this world, we have a worldview through which we then interpret what we see. See, everyone has a worldview. Where does it come from? It doesn't just come out of nowhere. Where does your worldview come from? Ultimately, there's only two foundations for your worldview. You either start with God's word or man's word. And you see, that goes back to, to Genesis when God said to Adam, don't eat the fruit of the tree. In other words, obey God's word. And the devil came and said, did God really say? In other words, you don't have to trust God's word. In other words, you trust yourself. In fact, the next part of that temptation in Genesis 3, 5 was, you shall be as God. In other words, you be your own God. You decide right and wrong for yourself. You decide truth for yourself. You are the foundation for your worldview. You decide instead of listening to God's word. And so you see, there's only two foundations ultimately. And you know, it's, it's hard to explain that to a lot of people because I don't believe this has been taught in our churches. By and large, it hasn't been taught. And most people don't really get what it means to have a Christian worldview. I mean, think about it. Most Christian schools use secular textbooks and add God to it, which means to me they don't understand Christian worldview because a secular worldview comes from the foundation that man determines truth. How can you Christianize that? So you've got to have a truly Christian worldview that starts from God's word. So I'll give you a practical example. A lot of churches would have children's books or Sunday school literature that would say to the kids, God made this beautiful world we live in. Then the kids look out there and they see an ugly world. See, if you're looking at the world today and you say, but there's death, we saw, see all sorts of evil things, we see suffering, we see disease, we see terrorism and people killing people, this is not a beautiful world. But you're not looking at the world as God made it. So when you start from Genesis 1 to 11, if you take it as literal history, you realize, ah, it was very good as described by God before man sinned. But this world I'm looking at today is not the world as God made it. 
This world I'm looking at today has suffered from the effects of sin, the judgment of death, the curse, the flood of Noah's day, which is why there are fossils all over the world, the Tower of Babel, why there are different people groups. So when I look at the world, if my worldview starts from God's word, I see all the different people groups and say, oh yeah, we all go back to the three sons of Noah, back to Noah, back to Adam and Eve. We're all descendants of Adam and Eve. That's why the gospel is for every tribe, every nation, all languages, all people, as we're told in scripture. And so there's only one biological race, so there's no different races. I mean, right there, just taking that history without even understanding genetics or anything else, we should have the right worldview to look at this world. Oh, I see all the death and struggle and disease out there. That's not God's fault. That's my fault because I sinned in Adam. That's our fault collectively because we are descendants of Adam and God judged this world because of our sin, which is why Romans 8 says the whole creation groans, you know. So even, even things like you often read in Sunday school literature or in children's books, um, look at this beautiful dog, a poodle. Now God made the poodle. Well, actually, all of our domestic species in some way or another are degenerate mutants, right? They, they all have all these mistakes in them uh, be, because of the way we've artificially selected them and we want this one to breed with that and we eliminate genetic diversity and we concentrate mistakes. It's a fallen world. So the original dog kind, when God made the dog kind, were, were perfect. But now because of sin, it affects the whole of creation. That's what scripture tells us, the whole of creation, because Adam was given dominion. So now the whole of creation is under the judgment of the curse and of death. And we, we know that everything is running down. So now when genes are copied from one generation to the next, there are copying mistakes and so on. So when we're looking at, uh, you know, for instance, domestic dogs like poodles and so on today, when we tell kids, now God made them, there's a problem, right? Because 90, 95% of kids from church homes go to the public schools and where they're told, you know, evolution is true. Evolution means change and we see animals changing. You know, when you look at these dogs, they have changed. And for, for instance, we, we've bred these dogs within the, you know, the domestic uh, species within the last few hundred years. And so you see that change occurs out there in the wild and that's evolution. So if your church or your parents told you God made these animals, you can see they're wrong because evolution is true. Because we haven't taught them the right way that God made the original kinds and representative kinds, which we would say in most instances at the family level classification, got on board Noah's Ark, they come off the ark and because of all the genetic diversity God created in each kind, over time as they move away from each other, different combinations survive in different areas uh, because of various reasons. Over here, long-haired dogs survive better in colder areas and short-haired dogs over here and you can get your different species forming over time. So in a sense, God didn't directly make that. He made the original kind of which these are descendants of the original kind. And because of a fallen world, now there can be mutations and mistakes as we see in our domestic uh, varieties and so on. But if you don't teach them the truth about this and teach them correctly, the world can capture them by saying, see what you're taught at church was wrong. And 
we have got to teach them the right way of thinking in our churches and in our homes. Well, as the former uh, owners and caretakers of five degenerate mutant dogs, I can speak with (laughs) authority. (laughs) That actually was quite eye-opening for me uh, because, I, of course, I've told our girls, you know, God made all of our puppy dogs Uh and loved them and loves, loves you. Uh, but when you think about it, we're all degenerate mutants Mm -hmm. to some extent, because, Mm -hmm. um, this world is not the world that God created. And it's such a fascinating point that he makes because it's true. This is not the perfect world that he created. In fact, what it, there was something, another presentation of his that we saw, and he referred to it as that we're in the third iteration Mm -hmm. of the world. There was the world he created that was perfect. That was perfect. Then the world fell. Mm -hmm. And then we're now in the post flood world. So this is kind of the third version. Yeah. And it is a fallen world Mm -hmm. that was once a perfect world, but fell and was completely uh, corrupted and washed by the great flood. So anyway, um, fascinating insights with Ken Ham, and there's so much more with him coming on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But if you are enjoying what you're hearing here, we can use your help with this because Ken Ham is uh, part of the film that we're working on now called The Mind Polluters. And The Mind Polluters is a film that is completely a work of faith, Mm -hmm. just as Inwood Drive was completely a work of faith and completely done by... uh, Individual donors. Individual donors, yes. This has been funded thus far by individual donors, and we're still at the point where we still need to raise capital Mm -hmm. so that we can complete the film. Um, we We are asking for your help. We're asking for you to prayerfully consider uh, partnering with us. If you like what you're hearing here, then you've got an idea of where our hearts are and the people that we're interacting with and putting into the cast of the mind polluters. And I also just want to dispel the myth because I've had several people ask because, you know, we we say that we've had 60,000, you know, people stream it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just give you a little insight into how Amazon works. We get a penny for every hour watched. So, <laughs> so, so I think rolling in I think our, our last month deposit from Amazon was two dollars and thirty six cents. <laughs> yeah. So just FYI. That and fifty cents I'll get you a cup of coffee at, <laughs> at McDonald's. I just want to make like Totally transparent here. <laughs> this is not a this is not a moneymaker for us. We just want people to be educated and aware of what's happening to our children mm-hmm. in the schools because what is happening is, is oh, devastating and wrong and perverted and and we as parents and grandparents, citizens can do something about it. And to be honest, when we started Fearless Features, our original business plan was, well, if we can get seed money to get started and get our first title done, then we'll make enough off of sales and rentals of that, that maybe we can help fund the ministry. And, and that's not the way the Lord has it. And that's just not how it's worked out because, uh, 
the truth is that the streaming world is voraciously hungry for content, but nobody wants to pay for anything. Mm -hmm. And so even a title like Inwood Drive, we we made the decision to make it a prime title so that people could see it. Yep. And we knew that uh, because when it's a prime title, if you've got a prime account, you can watch it and you think it's free. Mm-hmm. That's free to you. You're already paying for prime. Yep. Um, but that money mostly goes to Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So we get a penny. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that. Throw a dog a bone. <laughs> So, so if you guys like to help, visit our website at fearlessfeatures.org. But other than that, thank you for being here. Thank you for sticking around to the end. We appreciate you. Thank you for spending your time with us. We appreciate spending time with you. So have a wonderfully blessed day. We will talk to you again on Thursday.